They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hello, my name is Lavere Soper, and I'm honored and privileged to share the Word of God with you today. And I've entitled this message, It's Time for a Visitation. I'm talking about a visitation from God. We're down across the history of the church. There are times when it seems as if God himself steps down and visits his people. Uh, and we call them revivals. Um, it was like the last revival in Scotland some 70 years ago, where the Spirit of God fell and whole villages came to the Lord. And, and people working in the fields would fall under the power of God. And people in factories and, 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 uh, and pubs uh, would be in dance halls would just uh, come running, seeking to be saved. It was an amazing time. It's quite famous. You can Google the revival in the Hebrides Islands and read it for yourself. Well, I wanted to visit that land. And so a friend of mine, Minister uh, Keir Taylor and Malcolm Isles and myself, we visited Hebrew Islands in 2012, and we retraced the places where the Spirit of God fell. It was such a humbling and inspiring experience to find a number of believers that had been alive and active in this revival back in the day. And they were able to share with us what it was really like and what was happening. And oh, it's so in, so inspiring. And but I had a sense that God is ready to visit His people again in this nation. It's time for a visitation. I want to quickly give you the history of the first century church, how it came to the Lord, and then across several centuries, share with you a couple revivals that took place, and then I want to talk about number three how God has been for the last 20, 30 years visiting and bringing multitudes, hundreds of thousands, even millions into the kingdom of God. But we hardly know anything about it here in the West, but in distant mission fields and in China and in India and Africa, Indonesia and other places, it has been powerful what God has been doing. And he wants to do it now in the West. And so I want to finish by looking at what God wants to do in our land and what our part might be as God begins to bring a conclusion to the Great Commission and see mighty things happen in our day, in our hour. We've been looking at this verse in Acts 2, 46 and 47. 
we already played a, a, an intro to that earlier. So I just want to go to straight to verse 47 and emphasize that God was having favor with all the people. That's what happens in a visitation of God. God comes and he brings his favor on people who don't know God, aren't interested in God, and he draws them and moves powerfully upon them. And it says, and the Lord added, the Lord added. That's what God wants to do in our day. In our, Can you believe for it? Are you ready for God to do something like that? The Lord to add to the church daily those who are being saved like he did in the early church. I want to share you a video with a visual uh, picture of how the early church grew. The last thing Jesus told his disciples to do was to go everywhere and teach everyone to obey everything he asked them to do. But how? How were 11 uneducated and unsophisticated Jewish men supposed to make disciples in all the different cultures and languages of the world? They had no money, no power, no organization, and no leader. And to make matters worse, they were outcasts in their own society and religion. The disciples didn't seem to have anything, and yet they changed everything. What they did have was a life-changing experience with Jesus, a willingness to simply obey, the power of the Holy Spirit, oh yes, and lots of contacts, what we call today a social network. Here's what happened. Everything started with prayer. Then came the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. After Pentecost, people visiting Jerusalem from faraway places went home and told their friends and family what God had done. And when those people passed on what they had experienced, the good news about Jesus spread like wildfire. Post-Pentecost social networking is how the gospel went viral. That was over 2,000 years ago. So how are we doing today? There is some good news and some not so good news. The good news, the number of Christians is increasing. The not so good news, the percentage of Christians is stuck. So what's the problem and how can we solve it? The biggest issue seems to be that not all believers in Jesus are actually obedient followers of Jesus. The main job of being a disciple of Jesus is to make more disciples. But not many people are doing that today. In the first century, what created a spiritual revolution was disciples making disciples who made disciples. Dozens became hundreds, hundreds became thousands. And before too long, thousands had multiplied to millions. All because ordinary people simply obeyed what Jesus told them to do and taught those who responded to do the same. We think this is an idea whose time has come again. Wow. Isn't that amazing what God did? A great picture. But now I'd like to give you a biblical spiritual record of the early church growth. We, we read in Acts 1, 15, that there were 120 in the upper room. And... Uh, after the Holy Spirit fell that day, there were 3,000 new followers in Acts 2.41. And Acts 2.47 talks about God was adding new believers daily to the church. In Acts chapter 4, a man who was crippled from the womb was supernaturally healed. And 5,000 new believers saw this miracle and came into the church. God was visiting the early church. And also, 
this was a continual thing that was happening in the early church. In Acts 5.14, it says believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes. That's a language that is continually used in the growth of the early church. Acts 6.1, the number of disciples was multiplying. If God visited us, we're going to need to get used to that kind of language. Multitudes, disciples multiplying. Hallelujah. Are you ready for something like that? Well, this explosive growth of the first century church continued. In Jerusalem, the disciples were also continuing to multiply. But then in Acts chapter 8, we see Philip going to Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And again, multitudes became believers. In Acts 8, 26 through 40, it talks about the gospel spread to Ethiopia. Um, and then it went to Turkey, as uh, Acts 9, 30 talks about it. You know, at one time, 25% of the population of Turkey was Christians. And when we read in Revelation chapter 1 about the letter to the seven churches, all of those seven churches were in Turkey. I love Acts 9, 31. The churches through all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria were multiplying. God loves to multiply, and he wants to multiply the church in our area as well. The church continued to grow and spread to Gentile nations, Acts 11, Phoenicia, Lebanon, Cyprus, Iran, Antioch, Turkey. And verse 21 says, and the hand of the Lord was with him. That's always true when God visits his people. The Lord gets involved, and the hand of the Lord is with him, and it said, and great numbers believed and turned to the Lord. I'm ready for it. Hallelujah. Are you? Do you want to be a part of something like that? Well, this amazing growth of the early church, it was just almost unbelievable. By 350 AD, the majority of the people within the boundaries of the Roman Empire had become Christians. Um, <clears throat> the earliest Christians uh, did not have church buildings. The temple had been destroyed and they were scattered and going out. And they typically just met in homes. Um, they didn't have public uh, buildings or, or ceremonies that they could introduce themselves to the public. They had no access to mass media their day. Uh, but long before the church had pulpits and baptistries and universities and seminaries, the church had kitchens and dinner tables in their own homes. And they met together and ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. Wherever early Christians went, the message of the gospel swept multitudes into the kingdom. Now, not every person is called to go to a foreign land and be a missionary. Some are. You may be one. But most are called to be good witnesses right where they live. And, uh, you know, everybody can be hospitable. Do you have a front door to your house? Do you have a table and chairs in your house? Could you make simple bread and meat sandwiches for fellowship? Well, congratulations. If you do, you've just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, 
hospitality, and the most successful venues, our own homes. On the surface, it didn't seem as the early church had much going for them. They appeared powerless and weak and seemed to be easy targets for scorn and ridicule. Um, but um, with that being so, how could we account for the massive explosion and the steady growth and expansion over the first three centuries? The answer is simply, they cared for people and they prayed. The Christians became known as those who really sincerely cared for the sick, and they would pray for them, and many healings would take place, which resulted from their prayers, and the church grew. See, it didn't matter what they didn't have. What was important is what they did have. And they had faith, and they had fellowship with each other and with the Lord. They had a new way of life. They had a confidence that Jesus was alive and guiding their daily lives. And they loved God more than life itself. And they lived primarily just to please him however they could. These are the important things. Uh, it's time for a visitation of God. And uh, that amazing growth of the church began to wane. And great darkness then came upon the church for 1,200 years. There's such darkness that it was unimaginable what was taking place. And yet, all across those centuries, God was always ready to meet with his people when they cried out to him with all of their hearts. Let's take a quick look at a few uh, histories, history of a few revivals. Here's a timeline. Um, and when you look at this timeline, I want you to notice that it wasn't long, long periods of time between the revivals, between the visitations of God. Let's start with 1184. It's called the Waldenese Revival. Revival under Peter Waldo, which, and Peter Waldo could rightly be called the forerunner of the Reformation. And there are 800,000 Waldenese that had been born again and spread across Europe preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, just 131 years later, the Bohemian Revival, and 80,000 true Christians were born again in that land. Then we finally come to the mid-1500s when the Reformation started through uh, Luther. But it was more than just in Germany. It was in France and Switzerland and Holland and Denmark and Poland and Sweden and in the British Isles. And that's when... Uh, Calvin was so strong in France, and Knox was so strong in English and in Scotland. And uh, then we move right on to the early 1700s, 200 years from that. And there are a number of powerful things that took place then. One was the Moravian Revival. We could spend the rest of our time just talking about what happened there. Uh, but they started a prayer meeting that was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this prayer meeting lasted for 100 years and tens upon tens of thousands upon tens of thousands came to the Lord during this, this, this revival. And then there's Jonathan Edwards. Oh, a powerful force in America. Uh, and as he spoke, people would tremble and the fear of God would come and they would get saved. Then there was the great awakenings. Uh, there's two movements of that. 
And then here in our nation, uh, the Quaker revival, 50, 60,000 Quakers in England alone come to the Lord, and it moved to other places in the world. And then there was the Methodist revival during that time when uh, John Wesley uh, and his, his uh, disciples preached the gospel throughout, and he, it was hundreds of thousands that came into the kingdom through that ministry. And then we have Finney's Revival. I love this one. In the uh, mid-1800s, this is just 100 years after uh, Wesley. And uh, he moved so powerfully. He was a, a solicitor, a lawyer. And one week, there were 50,000 conversions in a single week. And there were not less than 500,000 souls were converted. They said it was easier to count the number of people who were not saved when he came to a village than to keep track of all those who did get saved. Oh, God, do it again, we pray. Uh, then we have the uh, early 1900s, the Welsh Revival, and in America, the Azusa Street Pentecostal Revival. This movement swept around the world, ushering hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom as well. And then there was the Jesus movement in the 1970s. Now, I got to minister on the tail end of that in America before I came over to Europe for these last 37 years. But uh, there were hippies and drug addicts and free sex and uh, rebellion. And it, it just amazing characters. Yet the Spirit of God came upon him and thousands were swept into the kingdom. Where did all these people go? Well, they ended, they took a bath, cut their hair, put on a suit, got a job, and uh, ended up in what we call charismatic or word faith churches. When you look at the Reformation, you see that there is a step where God began 500 years ago in Reformation with salvation by faith with Luther. Then he kept reforming, reforming, reforming. We see that just 300 years ago, God further reformed the church with this message of holiness and purity through Wesley. Then just 115 years ago, God continued to reform the church with outpouring the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifesting. And then only 50 to 60 years ago, the Jesus movement, as we spoke about it. And then just 30 years ago, uh, God started reforming missions and going back to his original plan of how to complete the Great Commission, with millions coming to the Lord in, in, in groups in, in far and distant mission fields from the Western world. And most of these happened in small, small groups in underground churches. And currently, God is continuing to reform the church with biblical evangelism and discipleship, whereby he is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Are you ready to be equipped do you want to be part are you in are you ready to go for this thing i certainly am and god says in acts 13 41 i will work a work in your days i work with you by no means believe even the one who declare it to you well i'm declaring it to you right now and i heard it declared to me what he was doing in these distant mission fields around the world where hundreds of thousands were coming to the lord and i could hardly believe it but I was privileged and honored to be able to go and visit some of these lands and see it firsthand. And I'm so thankful 
But I'm telling you, I'm declaring to you that God wants to do it in the West. He wants to do it in our nation, in our cities. Um, I'm going to look at some case studies. Uh, not too many, because there, there are many, many that we could look at, but we don't have time. But in China, at one point, there was over 30,000 being baptized every day. Uh, and another church planting movement in a Chinese province saw 20,000 new believers and 500 new churches in less than five years. In another province, uh, there were uh, 236 churches in a single month that were started. God was moving. And that's not that far away that that was happening. And God is still moving. Another amazing movement in China saw 48,000 new believers and 17,000, uh, 1,700 new churches in one year. Glory to God. Do it again, God, we pray. Another thing in China, um, there was a 1993, there was an area that was only three churches. And then in four years, like miracle happened. The next year, there were 94, there were six new churches, 95, 17 more new churches, 96, 50 more new churches. And by 97, there were altogether 195. And as glorious as that was, it was just laying the foundation for an explosion. And the church began to explode in growth. And 1998, there were 500 churches and 55,000 believers. And by 2001, there were 920 churches and 100,000 believers. It's hard to believe, but it happened. Imagine, they went from three churches to 920 and 85 believers to 100,000 believers. Oh, God, do it again. But it wasn't just China this was happening. It actually really began in India, some of these movements. And in uh, one area, there's 4,000 churches started in seven years. Wow, that's over 570 churches per year. In the state of Arissa, in the 1990s, there was a thousand churches started, and by 2001, a new church was being started every 24 hours. Oh God, come and visit us, we pray. We cry out for you to visit our land. Another place in India, in 1993, they grew from 28 churches to 36 churches, 94, they grew to 87 or 78 churches. 95, they grew to 220 churches. And by 1997, there are over 800 churches. In a five-year period, there are 4,300 to 5,400 new churches. Why the big gap? They're growing so fast, they couldn't keep track of them. And they're not for sure exactly. There's even higher estimates of how many churches may have been started. By 1998, over 55,000 in that year alone came to Christ. Glory to God. In Africa, God was moving. Believers grew in Africa from 9 million to 600 million in a number of years. Uh, a, number of, uh, a number of years. Uh, each month, there was 1,200 new churches being planted. God, you did it in the early church. You did it in revivals across the centuries, and you're doing, you're doing it right now in modern times. I love to tell about this movement. It's probably, it's the most powerful 
uh, church growth movement that there was, and they kept very accurate uh, records, and they had people from the West come in and monitor and see what was going on. But it's it's incredible. In less than ten years, there are one million seven hundred thirty-eight plus baptisms. They didn't just count people that prayed to receive Jesus. They only counted the ones that had been discipled and, and followed up with baptism. And during that same period of time, there were almost 159,000 churches started. When you break that down per year, average, it's 173 baptized per year and over 15, almost 16,000 churches started per year. Glory to God. These are fast growing movements. Uh, and when the fire of God would hit there, it's like it almost couldn't be stopped. Like throwing a, a fire brand into a dry forest or has been described like you're pushing a ball and all of a sudden you come to a steep hill and the ball starts rolling down and it takes off and you can't keep up with it. Oh God, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're wanting for this nation. Um, initially they found about 2011, I think they said there was about, they could identify about 20 movements like this in foreign places. And now they've identified over 200 and God is not done moving. There are so many cases, case histories that we could share, but time does not allow. But let me give you uh, one more. Liberia. And I've gone there myself. And and preached the gospel there, and a work got started there, where in the last uh, few years, uh, 2,000 people in an unreached people group came to Jesus. And I want to tell you about this man in the picture. Uh, he fell from a coconut tree. His leg was shattered. The bones came out through his flesh and a big chunk of it on the ground. Why he did this, I don't know. He doesn't know either, but he grabbed up that bone and shoved it back in his leg and passed out. And to this day, he didn't know whether he was dead or alive because suddenly it's like he was in heaven, beautiful buildings and people, and it was so wonderful. And then he heard a voice say, go back. And he woke up, healed, heard our people preaching the gospel and got saved. And uh, many people uh, have in these movements, about 25% of them have had visions of Jesus saying, come follow me. Another 25% have had miracles of, from, of all sorts. Are you ready for God to do some miracles in our land, in our day? Oh God, we thank you for it. During this year of lockdown plus, when I couldn't travel, I began seeking God. I had a burden for why there was nothing happening in the West. Oh, it was glorious. And I'm so happy to see God doing these things in far distant mission fields. But what about our nation? What about Scotland? What about England? What about Western Europe? What about America? And God began to show me and tell me in my spirit that he wants to move in every country every culture that he wants to pull millions into the kingdom of god and so as i was wondering about that i said lord these all these things happen in an underground movements small 
house house churches and things like that uh what about the west and uh, the lord told me i want you to take another look at Yungi cho's church in southern uh korea or yeah south korea it's called yodo for gospel church uh when when uh <clears throat> Yungi cho was uh cured of turbulence tuberculosis he got born again and he started pastoring started a tent meeting five people and it grew and he he just went day and night and just pushed and pushed and and the church grew finally to 600 people and he almost worked himself to death he had a a heart palpitations that wouldn't even allow him to do anything he couldn't even preach from a chair he's just laying hour after hour all day long praying seeking god and god told him to train his people to equip his people let his people go don't make the church a ministry to people in the church equip them and let them minister and let them go and so he started doing that and he started some home groups and discipleship groups and prayer mounting and uh and through this method his church has become the single largest congregation in the world over a million people and they have seven services each sunday and it takes four sundays so that everybody can get at least one time in the main service but during the week they're meeting every day in home churches or in in uh, home, home groups and uh and god is doing powerful things through that uh, the great they they teach that the great commission is for every christian no exclusions and that all church activity is subordinated to the idea of the great commission and fulfilling the great commission christians from the very beginning are trained to be obedient disciples and how to be disciple makers themselves uh, home groups they say it's the preferred and the primary means of getting people saved and making disciples. Cho declared, there is no need for revival or some special emphasis with the home group approach. There is revival every day in every neighborhood. And so little small groups seem to be insignificant when the power of God is in them, grows to a massive movement of souls coming to God. <clears throat> so as we look back over this we see that god moved in the early church supernaturally he moved across the centuries supernaturally he'd been moving in uh, nations currently for the last 20 30 years i believe he wants to move now i want to be part of it and i'm sure that as Jesus is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is touching you. You want to be part of it too. So let's pray and ask God to come and visit us. It's time for another visitation. May the Lord bless you. Hi there, I'm David and I'm the senior pastor here at Harvest Church. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message with us today. Uh, it means a lot to us and we hope that you found yourself inspired, informed and encouraged in every way. 
Harvest Meets is a church every Sunday in Hamilton in central Scotland and if you're nearby or passing by we would love for you to join us to experience the whole worship gathering in person. If you can make it we would love to meet you. If not we will be right here on YouTube and I hope that you'll come back next week for the next part in this series. In the meantime if there is any way that I or team here at Harvest can serve you please drop us an email at info at harvesthamilton.org.uk or get in touch via the contact page on our website where we'll also find live links to our social media. So, till next time, thank you so much for joining us.